Hello, I'm Chuck Moss. Welcome to Ion Oakland. We've got a great show today. We're going to jump right in. We have Representative State Representative Donnie Steele from the 54th District. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Chuck. I really appreciate you inviting me on today. What? And I look forward to this interview and talking well, about some of our favorite subjects. Yeah, well, I've got one favorite subject, and I know it's one of yours, and we'll get to it. Uh, so let's start out with some quick facts. Where is the 54th District? Well, the 54th district is a, um, a new district that was created after the 2020 census, and it starts in all of Orion Township, a small portion of Oakland Township, uh, the city of Bloomfield Hills, half of Auburn Hills, and half of Bloomfield Township. So, so it's, yeah, so it was drawn by Gerald R. Mander, but uh, uh, replacing the old ones that were based on communities. Uh, but you're also Bloomfield Hills, which is good. Great community, I might say. Uh, and uh, what is your back? How did you get to be a legislator? Background experiences. What led you up to Lansing other than I-96? <laughs> yeah, good one. I actually take 69, but that's OK. You go the northern route. <laughs> yeah. OK. I found the northern route was basically the same amount of time but it was maybe 10 miles longer. Yeah, for, yes, I would agree with that. So um, I was a realtor and a broker and a small business owner for 20 years. And um, I ended up staying home because my kids were little. And, you know, how stay-at-home moms are that are always busy in the past, looking for community advocation. So I got involved in my local community and I was on a committee for the safety path. And every time I got involved, I saw that there was a need to have leadership to be able to utilize the resources in which we have been given to do better than what we were doing. And so safety path, then I ended up being a trustee for the board of uh, Orient Township. And then I ran for treasurer for Orient Township. And the total at the Orient Township, I was there 12 years. So um, and then I said the same thing about the state. I didn't believe that we were having, a, we didn't have a good advocate for our community at the state level. And I said, I can do better. And so I ran. And that's my short story. Yeah, no, that's that's basically the story of a lot of us. Uh, you just start doing this thing, and next thing you know, it's like, geez, I can do that. So you're in. So uh, let's uh, once again, we'll jump right in. What's going on in Lansing? Well. I could go on for two hours, but I would bore people after two minutes. So I have to be very brief and short. So not necessarily <laughs> I'll help you out if you do. What's going on in Lansing? Well, we're about ready to look at the budget. And um, supposedly it's supposed to be introduced on Tuesday. And I happen to be on appropriations. And um, the word appropriations in Lansing means you're on the committee that oversees the budget in which is voted on, in which we run the state of Michigan. Um, that's simple terms. Everybody knows a budget. Uh, we have to, by law, stay within the budget in which we create. And the budget is right now in conference committee, and it hasn't come out of conference committee for us to look at it, to be able to vote on it yet. So everybody's waiting for this thousand page document plus or minus, to review, to vote on within 12 hours or less. So Okay, so let me, let, me, let me back up and ask a couple questions. First okay. of all, um, my as I recall, the budget gets, the governor presents the budget 
bang, yes. puts it on your desk, goes yes. to the House, goes to the Senate. House and Senate do what they do or don't do what they do. Conference committee is when the House and the Senate get together and they decide and then they come out, they kick out a uh, some kind of a compromise, which goes to the House, goes to the Senate, votes up or down. Is that uh, where the budget is right now? It's Good. Because you work from the front end to where I work from the back end. So, yes, you were. Oh, I was in the very back (laughs) for quite a while. Oh, yeah. The back end is not a good place to be in Lansing, I have to say. So um, in my local government experience, just kind of like to go backwards a little bit. We had a budget that started like mm, six months in advance and you had like a budget meeting and it was very transparent and you invited the public and it was a workshop. And when all the directors came in, they presented what they needed. They presented what they had, they presented what they could change and they presented it to the board, which is like a committee. And we took that information and we had a budget person and they put it all in the budget and then they would recreate it based on that input. And then we would have another meeting and review it again. And that's kind of what I expected in Lansing. And I was um, uh, surprised. And the word surprise usually goes with pleasantly surprised, but I wasn't pleasantly surprised. I was just more um, aghast surprised. Aghast. And, <laughs> very good word. And you went to committee and the, and the first committee meeting, they brought in their appropriations for Goshen. And um, there is Goshen. Goshen is a uh, battery plant that they're building in Elk Rackets, Elk, Elk Rapids. And Elk Rackets. I like it. Elk That's Rackets. Great. I'm going to use that. That is a racket, isn't it? That is funny. Um, it's and, a Chinese one, right? Yeah, that's the Chinese one. And okay. we, and we went to um, the floor and we had already approved over a billion dollars to go to the Ford battery plan. That was done before our first budget, our first appropriations meeting. Then our first appropriations meeting, we talked about the Goshen battery plant. So um, I would have thought that I would have had a meeting before we spent mm, close to a $2 billion. I thought we would have had at least one appropriations meeting to discuss the budget as a whole before we spent that money. But Again, I was aghast. We did not do that. So, so let me let me just make sure I understand. Okay. What you're, what you're, I think what you're telling me is that when you were the treasurer of Orion Township, you had X amount of money, and you draw a line up and down. You put a plus on one side, a minus on the other, and if the plus is more than the minus, great. If the plus is less than the minus, you're in trouble, and that that's the bottom line. Uh, they're not working it that way, are they? No, and the transparency and the accountability is the other part that I'm, you would think that like everybody has a portion of the budget. So like, you know, Eagle has a portion, transportation has a portion, um, right down the labor and economic uh, development has a portion, everybody has a portion. And I would have thought, because that's what happened in local government, each director of those departments would have come in and gave a, this is where we are. This is where we need to be. This is what we've accomplished. And this is why we need X amount of money. That's what I thought would have been a good starting point. Um, but I don't even know if I saw any directors. The, I suppose the directors are heard in the subcommittees of the appropriations. 
And then, but I don't know that for a fact because I'm not on all the subcommittee appropriations. So I don't know if the directors came into all those different subcommittees and presented what they needed in a manner that the people in those committees were comfortable that they could then say, okay, we're good with this. Let's go to the main appropriations committee. So um, I'm in two subcommittees and I didn't feel, I didn't feel like I had enough knowledge to make a wise decision in the final appropriations based on those two subcommittee meetings. So I don't want to. Which two subcommittees? I'm on the transportation and I'm on, um, well, actually I'm on three DHHS, which is health and human services. That's Medicare and Medicaid, which is 50% of the budget. And then um, I'm also on capital outlay, which is um, big piles of money that would go for like projects at Oakland University or OCC of built, we're going to build a wing for um, the engineering department. Is that that the joint capital outlay? Yes. Thank you for clarifying. Okay. So you're on one of the biggies. I mean, DHS is one of the big four. Actually, it's like think four and a half, but uh, you know, DHS, higher uh, school aid, you know, those are the big four and that's good. That's, that's, and so did the, did the directors come to your subcommittee meetings at all? Um, um, I, to be honest, because it's a whirlwind, I know that the director for DHHS came, Hertel, and um, Elizabeth uh, Hertel. Yes, and you know it's funny because you see all these relationships where she's related to Curtis Hertel, who worked for the governor, and then her brother-in-law is in the Senate, and so she's in charge of fifty percent of the biggest budget in the state of Michigan, and she's related to people that are actually served in the Senate or serving in the Senate and work for the executive branch, which I don't know if that's a conflict of interest, but it looks, it doesn't look like that should be, but. Cozy, ain't it? (laughs) Yeah. Nice and cozy. You know, uh, if you see Elizabeth Hurtel, tell her I said, hi, she's. I will. She used to work for us, uh, Republican caucus, or maybe she was on the uh, whatever. Anyway, yeah, she used to work for us. Nice, nice lady. Um, but uh, yeah, that that's a bit cozy, I think. The Hertel clan or dynasty, shall we say? Anyway, um, okay, you know, keep it all in the family. What's um, so? My deal question. So uh, you're basically being asked to vote on multi-billion-dollar bills that you guys have had no input into crafting or any input into seeing even what the bloody heck is in it, right? Well, okay, so just I'm going to back up. So like you said, the executive branch, which is the governor, presents her budget, her wants and needs in February. And then the Senate does the same thing, and the House does the same thing. And then you have this big, huge pile of a boilerplate that has all three people that have what they their wants and needs. And... So when we voted it out of the House, the subcommittees voted out of the subcommittees, then we voted it out of the House. And while I was just transportation, because if I can just take transportation, because it's a lot smaller and I can actually swallow this pill. So um, in our transportation budget, I didn't see what the House recommendations were. Even though I sit on that committee, I'm not the the lead chair. I'm the minority, so I'm not the majority. The majority is the one who comes up with the House um, wants and needs for the transportation budget. So the Republican wants and needs 
aren't even considered until you actually have a committee meeting, the, which is the final committee meeting. So, okay, so I'm, I'm, I know I get in the weeds, but it's like, it's, so the subcommittee says, okay, these are our, the House of Representatives wants. I didn't see that document until six to 12 hours prior to where I had to vote on it. So there was a whole bunch of stuff in there that I didn't agree with. And there was a whole bunch of stuff in there that I didn't agree with the executive, but I didn't get to say anything until the actual meeting. And then we presented 29 additional addendums that the Republicans thought that would be really useful in the transportation budget. And not one of those amendments, not one from the um, Republican side, which is, you know, we're only at a one margin, right? We're only at a one margin. Not one amendment was considered in the transportation. Not one was voted in. Not one was added to the transportation budget. And we brought more of those same amendments to the final floor. And not one of the transportation budget amendments on the Republican side was brought to light again. So they're just, they're maybe just you can unwrap that. Yeah. Yeah, they're just rolling you over. I, I served a minority and a majority, so believe me, it's it's a, it's it's not good government. The lack of transparency, the lack of accountability. We'll get into that a little bit more, but it's about time for us to take a break. We're talking with Representative Donnie Steele, state representative from the 54th District. Uh, I'll talk budget all day long, so we'll get into some other stuff as well. But uh, uh, thank you for uh, being here with us on Ion Oakland. We're going to take a break. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Ion Hoakland. I'm Chuck Moss, your host. We have a great guest, Representative Donnie Steele, state representative from the 54th District. And we were talking budget. And we're going to we're gonna just uh, kind of move on from that. I can talk about this stuff all day, and it's probably not what you wanted. But here's a little clue before we throw back in. Call it kitchen table economics. It's no different in Lansing than it is at home. You can't spend more money than you got, not forever, as we learned in the days of Governor Jennifer Mulhern Granholm. All right, uh, you were talking about uh, we were talking about the uh, the budget. Let's shift gears a little bit. One of the other other non-budget, maybe top two three things you're working on. Um, you know what? Um, there's been a big push because of um, the guns. And oh, nationwide, you know, and Michigan's uh, a part of, you know, let, you know, people are, I'm right next to Oxford. Let's start there. Right next door. Um, we grew up in Oxford. Half of my life was spent in Oxford. So Oxford is dear and um, near and dear to me. And um, so the gun control laws are very publicized and very political. And they passed a bunch of laws regarding the guns, safe storage, uh, red flag, and um, they, they've already passed. And I think, that the, I think that the piece of the puzzle that is missing is 
the criminals creating the crimes are being released early because they're not being prosecuted in, in relationship to the crime in which they're committing. And they have this whole new set of bills coming through for like review of after 10 years of being released um, if you're a minor and uh, you, you, did, you did good time while you were in prison. So Oxford, for ex example, he would be um, allowed to be reviewed after 10 years to be released early. Basically, and, they're, letting, they're letting bad guys out early. Yes. And I'm, you know, and that's an easier way. Thank you for saying it like that. But, you know, you just have to be very careful what you say, you know, how this goes. And so, I know. <laughs> thanks, Chuck. And so um, I'm, I always thought the, it's the guns, but it's also the schools. It's about the law enforcement. It's about the prosecution. And you cannot just take one piece of the pie and say that's the only thing that's causing all of this mayhem that's going on with these guns in these public places. And so on one hand, I'm being villainized because I voted down because of, of some of these red flag laws because they're very invasive to our fundamental rights as being an American. And I voted that down because I'm a conservative. And they're saying that I... Um, are not keeping our kids safe. Already the, the, the hit ads have been coming, but nobody's paying attention to what these, these laws are gonna do and these prosecutions are gonna do. And if you, I went to a round table, Chuck on Friday with Sheriff Bouchard, the, the police for Bloomfield, Auburn Hills, Farmington, Bingham Farms, um, uh, Troy, uh, all were sitting in a room with legislators and they say the people that they're catching the most are, are offenders with tethers on them. I mean, they're, they're on parole. They have tethers on them and they're driving a stolen car with stolen guns running away from the police and they're back on the streets and nobody's taking any attention to the bad guys that are back on the street. And the police have to, it's like the catch and release. You catch them, you put them back out. You catch them, you put them back out. How, how the diminishing returns and the police um, to, to not support them in the courtrooms is atrocious. That's a lot of words, but that's what we're working on. Okay. Well, there's a, <laughs> Uh, one, one of the benefits of being, uh, being being somewhat older here is that I remember uh, the late 1960s, and the you know and the whole phrase there was soft on crime, and we had crime explosion. They were talking about uh, some of the um, I won't name some names, but uh, political figures, people that they were soft on crime, they were soft on criminals, and it's the same bad bunch, you know, small percent, tiny percentage of people that do it all. And, uh, you know, they tell you, well, you're, you're not keeping our kids safe. You say, uh, well, you know, it's, it's these guys, it's these soft on crime prosecutors and soft on crime, uh, legislators that want to let the bad guys out. Don't blame me. These are the same, you know, same hundred people are committing all the crimes here. Uh, you want to let them out of jail. They go right back to their old ways. Don't blame me. You know, uh, that that's, uh, that was what we found is the soft on crime prosecutors on Oakland County may indeed have one of those. Uh, why not? Then we can be like San Francisco. Uh, but yeah, so you're holding the, holding the line on that. That's good. Uh, not really uh, as the majority showing any fiscal back to budget. 
discipline whatsoever. <laughs> None. There is. I, I don't even think it's a word in their vocabulary. Conservative, fiscally conservative. They don't ever put those two words together. There, it's like a in their world, it's an oxymoron. Fiscally conservative. No, those two don't go together. Yeah, They're like well, magnets. Well, you come out of local government, so you have to you have to make you know you have to keep the potholes filled, and you have to keep the lights on, and you have to keep the budget balanced, right? So you come out of local government. This got to seem a little bit of a culture shock. Well, when it it, it okay, so we were. Um, flush with COVID money from the federal government. The state was, the county was, even our local governments were, had a pile of money to be able to put into the infrastructure. This is our opportunity. Um, uh, internet, roads, bridges, right? We heard that over and over and over again. This is a flush. We'll never have this opportunity again to do this. Well, now they have this big pile of money and surprisingly, they're not going to the things that, in my opinion, that they were supposed to go to. We still don't have high-speed internet in North Oakland County. Our roads are atrocious. The, the, they're, we're number one pothole um, state in all of these, you know, United States. We are in the number one pothole. High, driveways to highways are um, abysmal. And that money's not going to that. The money's going to pet projects, corporate welfare, and new government um, bureaucracies that will not be sustainable in the future. And nobody's bringing any attention to that because when, in my opinion, get back majority um, in the state of Michigan, we're gonna be dealing with a budget that you're just gonna have to slice and dice and we're gonna look like the terrible ogres. Cutting, uh, cutting, cutting. I, that that's okay. That's fun. I, that, <laughs> I I remember I remember days like that. I enjoyed those days. But uh, you know, that's that was just me. Uh, but yeah, you gotta you have to cut. It's not just uh, going into majority. It's that if not when, but if we have a business downturn and we you know the after spring comes summer, then fall and winter. Uh, you know, uh, all this comes, all all this thing all comes crashing down. So there, are they still running on ARPA federal buckos? I mean, is that this pile of money that they want to spend on graft and <laughs> craft and friendship? It's, they had $9 billion sitting there. And I think. $9 that, billion. Dollars. Yeah. I, I think that they'll, at the end of the day, they'll have, I think the it was either 200 or $300 million left. Uh, it sounds like the Simpsons, you know. Yeah. Government with money is like a mule with a spinning wheel. You know, I mean, it's a uh, uh, monorail, monorail. Yeah. There's Aaron Billy monorails. Uh, now, Minority, I've been there. It would be no fun. Uh, but uh, what do you, what's your balance between, say, being effective and totally selling out? I mean, how do you get stuff done? How do you advance your district's issues without having to go and, and just, you know, basically vote yes on everything they want? ask ask for um help from the communities that would also benefit from it like auburn hills and you know um we have brenda carter right next door and she has half of auburn hills and i have the other half of auburn hills and you know the gm plant um talking about fixing the roads the gm plant they've put all that sore money into uh expanding the gm plant in orion township to build the electric uh, Silverados and the trucks 
and they're just going to town, adding on to this thing. It's a $6 billion flush of money. You know, they got money from the state, but they were putting their own investment. GM is putting their own investment. And it was never taken in consideration that when you drive, when you drive the new cars off the, you know, off the assembly line, that you're going to go onto a road that has deteriorated to almost gravel. And to, to do the road around the GM plant, you know, it's like a, you know, one square mile was close to $20 million. And to have to beg for that money in the manner that we have to beg for that money, when it was sore in the government that put the money in there to be able to get that thing moving into the right direction and to say, okay, this is a regional improvement to our manufacturing and our companies that regionally we need to look at this. Um, so beg, borrow, please, please, please give grace to this road that needs to be done in Orient Township. So you ask the people around you um, to help. When to me, it's so obvious that it just should be done um, simultaneously when you give them money to be able to put into the actual plant. So hey, the good news is, is we're going to build a, build a factory for all the jobs. The bad news is we're not going to build any roads to it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And uh, so that whole fix the damn roads, it, 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 what's, what's so amusing, Chuck, is that Gretchen Whitmer was, we're going to fix the potholes. And she was in behind a truck of an asphalt truck and she's digging out the asphalt and she's putting it into the pothole. She goes, this is not the way to fix it. And the funny part is she's standing directly in front of that GM plant that's being added on to in that commercial or whatever that was, that clip that she had on television. Um, and it's it's still not done. So I would think that you would at least fix this road because you have you're sitting out there fixing well, the potholes. Well, that was that was last term's Gretchen Whitmer. <laughs> this term's Gretchen Whitmer is all about abortion. Uh, here's my question. She's running uh, since you mentioned our the governor. Uh, is, is she running for president? And if so, is she just doing stuff now that she believes will earn the support of a Democratic primary? Like what? It's so progressive, Chuck. I it's progressive like it doesn't make sense because we can't even get to we can't these green the new green the clean energy we can't even get to these bills in the next 10 years to try to accomplish it's not it's not it's not humanly possible to but she wants to look progressive and that she's a part of that progressive group and being that she has control of the House and she has control of the Senate and she has control of the executive. They're supposed to be separate branches of government, but she has an agenda. And part of the agenda is to be look, look like a progressive governor and she's accomplishing it. I give her an A plus. She, that's how well she's accomplishing that goal. I, she is a political strategist. I think she's smart and I don't like the policies that she's doing. I don't think it's good for Michigan, but politically she wins an A plus. So well, she's, you know, she's pandering to the the uh, left wing of the Democratic Party to get a to get a nomination. Uh, depending on what happens between now, uh, whether whether Biden Harris, uh, you know, uh, we'll see. Uh, on the other hand, but but but, and, but 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 if you look at Governor Granholm, she got a great position in government in the federal government, and so it's like. You don't necessarily have to run for president or vice president. You could just get a really good job in Washington if you choose, if this is the route that you go. And so it might be anywhere from a job to, 
I'm going to write a book and, you know, have six houses all over the country. You know, one of those. Well, you know, Jennifer Granholm, uh, <laughs> I served with Jennifer Granholm and uh, nice lady, bad governor. Uh, uh, so Ed, now we're going to run out of time real quick. Uh, any chance of getting majority next term? Uh, absolutely. I am. We are dedicated, convinced, and I think that the Democrats will sink their own boat 